When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is National Signing Day Part 2. Here's what happened back in Part 1 in December. Alabama positioned itself to earn its eighth number one class in the 18-year history of ESPN's recruiting rankings. No other program has more than two top-ranked classes over that span. The top three players in the class, all quarterbacks, Malachi Nelson stayed at home, signed with USC. He's the third top overall recruit for the Trojans. Arch Manning kept his commitment, signed with Texas. He's the highest-graded recruit for the Longhorns in the ESPN 300 era. He's the number three overall player in the country in Texas enters today with the number three overall recruiting class. Now, a lot has happened since December. Deion Sanders flipped the top corner in the nation for the second straight season with Cormani McLean and Travis Hunter following him to Colorado. Notre Dame, big-time transfer quarterback Sam Hartman to go along with yet another top ten class. And after entering the day as the highest-ranked uncommitted prospect, Jaden Rashada, has verbally committed to Arizona State. He originally committed to Miami, flipped to Florida, now headed to the desert. Welcome in College Football Live National Signing Day 2.0 edition. I'm Matt Schick. Roddy Jones, National Recruiting Coordinator. Craig Hobbert joins us here for the hour. Hobbs, let's start right there. It was a circuitous route for Rashada. How would you assess the significance of his commitment to Arizona State? Yeah, Matt, you certainly wouldn't say this is how he drew it up. But ultimately, the West Coast quarterback ends up staying out West. And this shows you the importance of relationships in recruiting. Kenny Dillingham comes to Arizona State from Oregon. The Ducks were very much in the recruiting mix for Jaden Rashada before he picked Miami, ultimately Florida, and getting released from his national letter of intent going back on the market. But this is a really big pickup. This is a statement pickup for Arizona State as they try to rebuild this program. This is one of the premier quarterbacks in the nation and of the top 10 quarterbacks in his class Roddy to me he has the most upside he may not be a plug and play guy but I think he has the highest ceiling yeah and this is obviously a soft landing for a guy whose route was as Matt said circuitous it's just good that this whole saga is over and hopefully we can start to get our arms around what NIL is so we can prevent this happening in the future but in terms of where he landed, Kenny Dillingham has done such a great job developing quarterbacks that if he is a guy that needs that time, needs that development, look at what Kenny Dillingham did with Jordan Travis at Florida State. Look at what he did with Bo Nix last year at Oregon. This is a place with a guy who knows how to bring the best out of his quarterbacks and whose system can be very quarterback friendly for a guy who can sling it. Let's bring in uh, recruiting insider Tom Van Heeren. TVH, you had the story, had it this morning on ESPN. How did we get here with Rashada? 
Well, you mentioned how he was released from his NIL or his NLI. There's too many N's and I's and L's. He was released from his NLI uh, by Florida, and then almost a second recruiting process started for him. And what we had heard was possibly Cal, TCU, uh, Arizona State, possibly Washington. And then it really narrowed down to, it seemed like, TCU and Arizona State. And, Matt, I was told by a few sources that this time around, because of what played out at Florida with NIL, and uh, his deal falling through with the collective, that the family took a different approach this time around. And NIL was not the main topic. It was not the reason why he chose Arizona State. And if you look at where he's going, his father, Harlan, played for Arizona State. Because of that, Jaden grew up a fan of the Sun Devils. And as Roddy mentioned, what, what Kenny Dillingham has been able to do with quarterbacks, he's also been able to do that and have success on the recruiting trail. He's young. He's energetic. He relates well to these prospects. And this was his dream job, too. He, he, he was coaching at Chaparral High School in Arizona before he, he joined the college ranks. This is where he wants to be. That shows, and recruits and families can feel that as well. Well, Jaden Rashada, he built a good relationship with Dillingham, went through the process, and felt like this was the best place for him. Yeah, well, it's interesting, Tom, because uh, name, image, and likeness seemed to derail his recruitment with Florida. You're saying had nothing to do here with Arizona State. What's the lesson in all of this that we're learning here and the ripple effects of this, you think? Well, I think there can be some pitfalls with NIL, and there can be some a downside to this. And what I, I believe that Jaden Rashada learned from this and the conversations that I was told that took place with coaches this second time around was, don't worry about the NIL deals right now. You're a good enough player that they'll come once you get to campus, and you'll get deals once you're here. But if you make decisions based on the money, based on really not the program, not the fit, you're going to run into issues. And I, and I think that that's starting to become a problem for coaches where you look at collectives offering money, offering contracts. Uh, I, I think there are some downfalls with that. And in the next few months, maybe the next few years, we're going to see uh, some of those play out and maybe some changes happen with NIL as well. going to be fascinating uh, to watch. We're really just at the infancy stage of this new era in recruiting. More on that coming up. TVH Hank Tight. Uh, thanks for the insight there on Rashada. This is a different type of National Signing Day. Of the top 300 prospects in the nation, only seven entered today uncommitted or unsigned. That number will get even smaller today with the announcements of a pair of top 100 recruits, including the number one athlete in the class, Nicholas Harbor. You got one of the top corners in the country, four-star out of California, Roderick Pleasant. And just like the coaches are focusing on the class of 2024, we're going to have an announcement of one of the top five juniors in the country, quarterback Ellis Robinson IV out of IMG Academy. But first, the announcement of the top 50 prospect, Nicholas Harbour out of Archbishop Carroll in the DMV area is the number one athlete, Craig Harbert. Why is he so highly coveted? Because he is just different. This is a player who's run a 10 to 800 meter in a max speed, a way for us to track a player's speed on film. He's run over 22 miles per hour. Uh, you may say there's a lot of fast players out there, but he's roughly six foot four, 220 pounds. That is an insane blend of size and speed. He could project to either side of the ball in college. It look likely will be tight end, where he could be a difference maker and a vertical threat. And as you're watching him run track, though, that is a key factor. This is a player with Olympic aspirations. So he's going to look to do both in college. So that is playing a role in his final decision on where he will go. But 
you cannot teach that type of size and speed. And even at receiver, I mean, he just becomes so dangerous. Just an amazing specimen. He's down to Maryland, South Carolina, Michigan, USC, Miami, LSU, and Oregon. Let's go to Archbishop Carroll, the D.C. area right now. Nicholas Harbor is there with his, his friends, fellow students. I know you got your family there as well, Nicholas. Nicholas, a lot has changed since you and I caught up with each other down at the Under Armour Next All-American Game in Orlando. You were set to take some visits. You've now done that. Time to make your announcement. What's it going to be, my friend? Um, with that, you know, I just want to thank everybody. Just want to thank, you know, all the coaching staff that, you know, recruited me, you know, just gave me the opportunity to, you know, to commit to their school. I just want to thank my family, friends, you know, mom and pops, you know, without them, this all wouldn't be possible. And, you know, I just want to thank the whole Carroll community, you know, just for accepting me and, you know, just letting me be me around it. But, you know, with that being said, for the next three to four years, I'll be committed to the University of where y'all want me to go? South Carolina. Go Gamecocks! What a huge get for Coach Beaver and South Carolina. The number one athlete in the class. Headed to Columbia, getting the hugs from parents, coaches as well. Nicholas, if you can hear me, why South Carolina? You know, it's, a, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing program, you know. Coach Beamer's building something different there. And, you know, I just want to be a part of that. Um, you know, Beamer Ball is going to be great. You know, we're looking forward. You know, the recruit package is already put in. And, you know, just me being the final piece of that. And, you know, it's just a great family there. You know, it feels that it feels that I'm right there at home. And, you know, that's the best place for me. Because, you know, you want to go where your heart's at and you're going to make everything work. Because besides that, I'm going to make everything work. And, you know, in three, four years, y'all going to see me in NFL draft, you know, being the number one overall pick. So that's why I'm committing there. Hey, Nicholas, this is Craig Harbert. I got to ask you, obviously, you've been very successful on the football field as well as in track as well. How do you plan to balance those two at South Carolina? And kind of what's the kind of game plan going forward between those two sports and trying to excel? Um, the game plan is I've been doing it for the last four years, you know, balancing track and football, so that's not the hard part, you know, hard part. And it, it makes it easy, actually, with, you know, the nutritionist, the strength coach, you know, just the overall, you know, structure that we, you know, we're building the plan. So, you know, they're going to they're going see me on the football field in the fall and, and the track in the summer and also, you know, going to the Olympics, and we're going to see what happens with that. Oh, amazing. Nicholas, before we let you go, you mentioned the role your parents played. For those who don't know your parents, can you walk us through just – their background and how they played an instrumental role in your athletic endeavors? Um, well, my mom, um, well, I saw with my dad. You know, my dad was a professional soccer player. And, you know, that's where I got the athleticism from. So, you know, athleticism has always been in the family, you know, athletics. So he's always just pushed me to um, be the best because I couldn't play soccer. So, you know, we wanted to try something else. And then, you know, my mom, her birthday was two days ago. So this is, you know, a little late birthday present. But, you know, I just wanted to make her happy with everything. And, you know, she's the brains of the family. So that's why I got the brains there. So, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little, you know, two-piece to the puzzle. But, you know, I'm just very thankful for both of them. Well, it's a big win for the family, for you, for Shane Beamer, for Curtis Fry, the South Carolina track coach. Going to be a great time. Thanks for doing this. And congratulations, Nicholas. Yes, sir. Thank you. Go Gamecocks. Number one athlete in the class headed to South Carolina. Roddy, your reaction. 
Uh, it's incredible for Shane Beamer. I don't know if there was a, a team that had more momentum out of the regular season last year than did the Gamecocks. Obviously expecting big things with Spencer Rattler back at quarterback. And so to have a win like this on the recruiting trail, and if he can become the type of player on whatever side of the ball that we expect him to be, I mean, watch out for South Carolina. They really proved that down the stretch they were going to be a factor in the SEC East. Now, can they catch up with Georgia? We'll see. But after that, they are right there in the running, and it's guys like this that are going to help them get there. Yeah, it started with a Mayo bath and ended with, you know, Nicholas Harbour and in between derailing some national title hopes at the end of this past uh, regular season. Roddy Craig, more from you coming up. So uh, the Harbour decision has now been docked. He's headed to Columbia. It was a long and winding road for Carmani McLean, a road that led the five-star corner to the base of the Flatirons in Boulder. Are Coach Prime and CU on the verge of something special? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to our National Signing Day special here on College Football Live. I'm Matt Schick. One of the stories we've been tracking over the last month is that of five-star corner Cormani McLean. He had committed to Miami, was expected to sign back in December, but he did not. And a couple of weeks later at the Under Armour Next All-America game in Orlando, I caught up with him to talk about his recruitment. January 15th is when you're going to make your announcement. Yes, sir. What are the factors that are going to be playing into that, whether or not you stick with your verbal commitment? Um, come in, play as a freshman, and whoever could develop me the best. Who are the schools in the running? Miami. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, that's all. That's it? Yes, sir. Best of luck to you. What's, what's, what's this process been like for you? Um, it's been a long, long, long process. Um, through the recruitment, um, just staying on task and staying focused. That was a long process. He was down to Miami until he went to Boulder. A couple of weeks later, paid a visit to Colorado, got some good picks with Coach Prime, and left Miami out in the cold. McLean wound up committing to Colorado. Let's welcome back in Tom Van Heeren, recruiting insider. TVH, how did Coach Prime pull this one off? Uh, the same way he's pulled every other recruit off, and he was just himself. Uh, I, I know a lot of people like to poke fun at, at what he does publicly and on social media, but behind closed doors, when he gets in front of families and recruits, he relates really, really well with these kids. And he's been there. He, he's been through the process. He's been through it himself. He's been through it with his own sons. And, and he's shown that he can get kids to the NFL. He can, he can coach at a high level. And a lot of the, these recruits are looking for a, a father figure and a coach. And, and the advice that he gives 
gives, the, the nurturing aspect that he gives to a lot of these players, I think is evident when they go to campus. And that, that held true with Cormani McLean. And, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt that Dion is also relentless on the recruiting trail. And Cormani McLean at one point said that Dion was calling him and trying to talk to him at all points in the day. So you, you look at what Dion's been able to do, not only in the recruiting trail, but you can see it in the transfer portal as well. Uh, Jordan Dominic, a, a defensive lineman from Arkansas, he, he's now transferring in. They're bringing in a lot of players from a lot of different areas. And I think we're going to get a little bit of a look from social media and what they do behind the scenes at Colorado with how Deion Sanders does this. And people, I think, are going to be surprised at how well he does with recruits face-to-face -face and in-person. Uh, and I think we're probably going to see results for years to come. Yeah, no, no question about it. I mean, I, I've shared a stage with him a couple of times, um, and I mean, he shared it with me. Uh, but he commands a room. No one commands a room like him. I can't imagine how he commands a living room with, with families there. Uh, what's the reaction you're getting from, from those in the recruiting space about what he's done to the Colorado brand? He's elevated it. I mean, you in December you had you had sunglasses on and a Colorado hat and you were you were beaming ear to ear. You were smiling and uh, I think you know bringing out what he does best and and that's branding. Uh, I, that's been evident. Colorado has been at the forefront with Cormani McLean's recruitment with getting Travis Hunter. He has put Colorado nationally back on the map and and he's bringing the brand out to be uh, something that it hasn't really been viewed at from uh, from recruits that it's a cool place to go. It's a place that, that they can go and have success, that they can go and try to compete for championships and maybe get to the NFL. And they can learn from someone who's been at the NFL. I, I don't know any other former player that is Dion's age that, like you said, can command the room and command the respect from younger kids like Dion Sanders does. You know, as a Colorado alum, I asked to wear this today. They didn't allow it, so um, you know I'm not I'm not going to wear this shirt today. Okay, I couldn't do it, but I, I tried to. They didn't allow it. Uh, Tom, we'll get more from you in just a moment. Uh, Roddy, just your your reaction, Roddy Jones, to what Coach Prime has done here. As I look at the shirt. Well, first off, he's 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 boosted the swag. I mean, that is a fantastic shirt. Yeah, uh, but secondly. I think he has done the first part of the job, which is make the school that you're at relevant. So many coaches have to struggle to do that, and it takes years. But as soon as Deion Sanders walked through those doors in Boulder, they were relevant in college football. I mean, they, we were talking about him uh, from that second on. And secondly, he's going to come the wins. And this is a talent acquisition business, and he is acquiring really good talent. Now, how soon will we see dividends? I think we'll, you'll see some next year. The talent's going to be better, so I think they'll win more it's hard to win less uh, but uh, this is still going to be a young team with a lot of guys who are unproven at this level or at least not proven at a major way at this level so it may take some time but what he is doing has been tremendous in a short period of time Albert yeah listen he goes back you know that shirt that you held up that logo is an old camp logo from the prime 21 camps when he would just work with defensive backs he was a big part of the Under Armour next camp series he was the offensive coordinator at Shador Sanders High School. He has been involved at the grassroots levels for many years before staking over at Jackson State and now at Colorado. So he's not just an NFL player with a big name that kind of stepped into a college job. He's been very familiar with working with players at the high school level. Tom mentioned it. There's a genuineness to him when he gets around those players. And to me, 
a litmus test is Travis Hunter. A year ago, he shocked the recruiting world when he flipped Travis Hunter from Florida State to Jackson State. I had a chance to see Travis Hunter a few days after that early signing period. And I said, you know, Deion's going to be a big name. What happens next? He goes, I didn't commit to Jack State. I committed to Deion Sanders. And a year later, what did he do? He followed Deion to Colorado. If he didn't feel like Deion was keeping his word or true to what he said in the recruiting process, you know as well as I do, Travis Hunter could have won anywhere in the country. Yeah, and it feels so much like coaches nowadays are fighting the change that's happening in college sports and the branding and some of the individualism that's happening. Deion Sanders was one of the trailblazers of that while playing well in a team environment and and putting together the primetime brand. So it almost feels like he is built for this era of college football where he fosters a culture through that, where they all learn that, hey, your individual brand will grow and I will get you to the next level by buying into the team concept. It's tremendous. And he's coming into the Pac-12 at a tough time, uh, but I don't think the recruiting wins are going to stop anytime soon. No, there's no doubt about it. He, he was built for the era of player mobility, where players don't have to sit out. You yeah. get the portal, you get name, image, and likeness and all this stuff, and, and bringing in that Louis luggage uh, like you talked about with Hunter and McLean, two five-star corners on the perimeter. It's going to be interesting to watch. Again, like you said, 1-11 last year. Only way to go is up. Tough schedule. We'll see how they navigate it coming up. Colorado certainly did uh, mine the portal. This offseason, they weren't the only one. Coming up, for some schools, it's become just as important as recruiting high school players. What's the impact Transfer Portal is having on those prep prospects? The power of the portal was on full display this offseason. We mentioned Travis Hunter, Sam Hartman earlier. Shadur Sanders followed his dad to Colorado. Spencer Sanders heading to Ole Miss. Two-time defending champ Georgia, adding wideout Dominic Lovett as well. Matt Schick, Roddy Jones, National Recruiting Coordinator Craig Hobbert. Hobbs, you've covered the recruiting business for a very long time. How has the transfer portal impacted high school recruiting? Well, listen, it certainly had a big impact because you just see the sheer numbers of players that are going into the portal. Some of the classes that have shifted to very heavily working on the portal to try to rebuild their rosters. Uh, Ole Miss is a program that's kind of gone 50-50. You've got programs like Colorado, which we just talked about, Arizona State, which we talked about earlier with new coaches and had heavy turnover. So they've got to go to the portal to help get their numbers up. And listen, it certainly impacted G5 schools, too, because they're going to lose players that have success that want to transfer up to the Power 5 level. It has certainly changed recruiting, and it's also hurt at the high school level as well because some spots that may have gone to high school players are going to be lost because coaches will now use those throughout transfers, and it really hurts those players that are kind of late bloomers uh, in the process that may not really start to come into their own uh, into their senior year. And the other thing is there's just no guarantees on the transfer portal. You know, we've seen about a 1,000 player jump from a year ago, and roughly the numbers leading up to this year has been about 60% of the players find a home within Division One, but not necessarily, Roddy, are they getting a scholarship either. So I think some things need to change for me. My soapbox is you should not be able to transfer without penalty until you've been on campus at least two seasons. I think it's good sometimes for young players to go to some adversity, to maybe not be the big guy on campus for a little bit to have to earn their spot. Yeah, but we scream about parity in college football and how we want more of it. I think the transfer portal 
has has helped parity. When you look at the quarterback movement, just look at the results in the Pac-12 last year. I mean, the number of teams that had transfer quarterbacks, obviously USC, Oregon, Washington, all transfer quarterbacks. We'll see if a guy like DJ Uyunglele has a similar type of impact for a team that looks like it's ready to contend at the top of the Pac-12. And then you look everywhere else. You're certainly going to get some of these schools like Georgia and Alabama who are very particular in the portal and will likely lose a lot more than they gain in the transfer portal. But those guys go somewhere. And usually it's to that next tier of team. And so it may affect the depth of some of the top-end teams while helping buoy some of the teams just below to sort of create the, uh, the, the higher floor, if you will. But I've talked to coaches that say, hey, look, unless a high school quarterback is just an absolute guy – I may not take a high school quarterback because I know there's going to be good ones in the portal every single year. A lot of them coming from these higher level programs that recruit multiple five stars. And uh, those guys don't get the playing time they want and look elsewhere for, uh, for a chance to get on the field. Roddy, it was already a challenge to try and have two really good quarterbacks on the same roster. And now you have the transfer portal. I'm with you. I think the quarterback play, you're really uh, – diversifying the portfolio on a lot of these different teams. I do want to ask you guys, though, with the transfer portal, you look at like Texas A&M, had one of the greatest classes in the history of recruiting last year. They miss out on a bowl game. They had upwards of 25 players enter the transfer portal. Roddy, it's almost like now because of the portal, you got to win now. You got to have the arrow pointing up because that exit door is right around the corner. Yeah, you're exactly right. And look, in your interview with Cormani McLean, what did he say? It was the first thing out of his mouth. Playing time freshman year. Not all of these guys are going to get playing time freshman year. Some are going to be over-evaluated. Some are evaluated just because of, of traits. Some don't adjust well to college life. And if they're unhappy with the playing time that they get, they're going to leave. And I'm not saying that's the case with all of the Texas A&M guys. Uh, but I think the important thing that coaches have to realize is that you're going to have some of this attrition. I think they do but they're happy keeping the ones that they want to keep. I think Texas A&M and any school will have identified, all right, who are the 10 to 15 guys out of this class yeah. that we absolutely can't lose? And then you focus on those guys. The rest of them, you kind of build in some buffer uh, for guys that are going to hop in the portal. You know, listen, I think one thing you guys both mentioned the quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Going back to a little bit early with NIL, it's crazy to think some of the money that's associated with high school quarterbacks that are very likely not going to be a part of a program in a year or two if we're looking at precedent. So some of those investments seem crazy and probably need to be looked at if you're going to put a lot of money towards a high school quarterback. And the other thing is the portal, every situation is different. Some programs have a lot more work to do than others. We've seen Alabama and Georgia near the top of the college football mountain. They're able to build through high school recruiting mainly because I think culture is so important. And they've dabbled in the portal. They've used it almost like NFL free agency. You plug some holes where you need to. But ultimately, for long-term success, you have to be able to build through high school, get those players into your program, and build that culture that way. Yeah, and the other thing, I don't want to put this all on the players either. Sometimes these coaches get these highly recruited guys in, and they realize that they missed. And so there's some encouragement on the other side for, <laughs> hey, man, you might as well find another place because we're going to recruit over you. So it kind of works both ways. And it's hard to tell which school's doing which, but coaches also utilize it to help flush out some of the guys that they may have missed on. You know, it's interesting you brought up uh, name, image, and likeness, and that brings in a whole different aspect to these numbers in the transfer <laughs> portal. Let's bring back in Tom Van Heeren. Uh, Tom, I heard a, a coach say once that it's like every year – 
all your players are unrestricted free agents and there is no salary cap. Uh, what are you hearing from coaches with the way that NIL is impacting the portal? Yeah, I've heard almost the exact same quote that could you imagine being an NFL coach and you have no idea which players are going to be free agents at the end of the year? How do you build a culture that way? And so, you know, I do think there are negatives with this. I think a lot of coaches are concerned about having to recruit their own roster with coaches trying to, to tamper with their players and, and using NIL money to lure them away. I think there's, there are some negatives associated with this that need to change. Uh, but I do think there are some positives of what as well. And, and, Craig and uh, Craig and Roddy touched on this a little bit. I, I think something that I've noticed, and I kind of have a theory, it's not played out yet, but I do think that we're maybe going to see, because of the transfer portal, a little bit more parity where Roddy touched on it. If, if you look at Alabama, some of the backups that transferred out of Alabama, on the surface, everyone was saying, well, they're backups. Alabama's not losing much. But those guys, Tommy Brockermeyer, JoJo Earl, Trey Sanders, those are really good players. They all went to TCU, a place where they can probably play and they make TCU a better team now and so I look at that and think well TCU is now better what has helped Alabama get next to the, get to the, the national championship game uh, that's depth and, and so if you lose a lot of players don't bring them in uh, I think that could impact the game down the road yeah your backups can be another team's starters you might still have the same talent but the depth certainly takes a hit TVH will get back to you in just a little bit. Let's get back to the high school kids. Yeah, but the kids that haven't transferred yet. They're just, they're just signing on with programs. Roderick Pleasant is going to be the second of our three announcements. Number 100 in the ESPN 300. Top 11 corner out of Juniper Sarah High School. Top 10 player in the state of California. Craig Harbert, what do we need to know about Roderick Pleasant? Well, we've raved about Nicholas Harvard's speed. Well, Roger Pleasant may actually be the fastest player in this class. He's run a 10-1-4, 100-meter wind-dated. I don't care if it's during a hurricane. That is fast. <laughs> this is a player who can help you in all three phases of the game. It's going to be on defense and in special teams, but we saw a glimpse of it there as well, Matt. He's not only fast, he is physical. He brings a lot to a team. But, again, you cannot teach that type of speed. He is an absolute playmaker. Down to UCLA, Oregon, USC, Boston College, and Cal Hobbs. We'll get back to you in a moment, but let's go to Roderick Pleasant. Let's go out west, the four-star corner, about to make his decision. Roderick, thanks so much for being with us. The floor is yours. Where are you going to spend your college years? It's been a blessing to be here. Um, I'm just thankful to be in this opportunity. And I'll be taking my talents to the University of Oregon. Let's go, go, go! Roderick Pleasant committing to and signing with Oregon and Coach Lanning. Roderick, why the Ducks? I've always felt like a priority man. Um, Lanning and Coach Tosh have been recruiting me very hard, and I've built a very, very great relationship with them, and I'm excited about the opportunity to be at the Ducks. How you feel, Ma? <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, Roderick, run, you, you could have graduated early. You also run track. You decided to stay. Why was it so important for you to finish out your final track season this spring? Um, it was so important because just being around the people in this building, being around everybody I said, I felt like it's a good addition to uphold the standard here. And 
being able to run, being able to one of the first kids to be able to run nine nine is very special. So I wanted to come back and have a chance at it. Hey, Roderick, this is Craig Harbert. You know, you come from a high school that has produced a lot of college talent. Some of those big-time players in the past, even though he didn't play with them, went to USC like Adoree Jackson, Mark Heasley. How difficult was this decision for you to kind of leave the hometown and go to Oregon? And then is there any talk about potentially using you your skills on offense as well once you get there? Um, it was it was an eye-opener. Um, with SC being able to do that with Adoree, it was um, – it was special, and I felt like I'm the type of caliber athlete that can do that. So I can't wait. Well, a pleasant surprise uh, for the Oregon Ducks. Roderick, congratulations. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll see you in Eugene. Thank you. Roderick Pleasant, top 15 corner, heading to Oregon. Roddy? Well, Utah's the back-to-back Pac-12 champ. It seems like USC has taken all the oxygen out of the room with the Heisman Trophy winner. All Dan Lanning has done is put together an incredible class in his first full uh, his first full year as Oregon head coach. I think Oregon may be flying a little bit under the radar, but Dan Lanning reinstituting Oregon where they were in terms of recruiting under Mario Cristobal, just accumulating talents, a huge pickup on the backs of what he'd already done during the recruiting season. Bo Nix coming back. I mean, the Pac-12, a lot of talent, especially at the quarterback position. We'll get to that later on. But uh, what a coup there for Coach Lanning and Oregon. So, Roderick, pleasant heads to Eugene. What freshman could be a good player and an impact player immediately next season? Look no further than that quarterback position, which has us thinking about that 06 class. One of the biggest stories in the recruiting world is Deuce Robinson. He's the number one tight end in the class, has more than two dozen offers to play college football, but at 6'6", 230, he's also a highly rated outfielder. With the Major League Baseball draft this July, he's got plenty of options on the table. Bama, Georgia, USC, Oregon, Texas all have their hats on his table, figuratively speaking. Let's chat with the premier two-sport athlete in the country. Deuce Robinson joins us now from Phoenix do so no announcement today why not um to be honest uh it's just a flat out we're not sure where we want to go yet um you know it's it's been a long process um it's been a fun process but but I uh, just don't have that conviction yet you know when I make my decision I want to be at peace with it I want to be fully convicted I, I don't want to go anywhere um I want to be there for hopefully three years, but maybe more. What are those options that you're weighing right now as a two-sport athlete and as a highly rated baseball prospect? Um, you know, I, I want to go somewhere where, where I fit the scheme. Uh, I feel like I'm a, I'm a pretty unique player and what I can bring to the table. Um, so I, I want to go somewhere where, where I feel like I'll be um, used, you know, to my full potential. I want to go somewhere where I have great relationships with the coaching staff, with the players, the recruits, um, and then obviously um, on, on the baseball side of it, you know, I, I want to make sure that the coaches work to well together, um, that I'm that I'm going to be able to be developed um, in both sports to to my full potential. And and uh, yes, sir. What is it? What is a recruiting visit like when you're being recruited to play both sports? Um. It's it's pretty cool uh, being able to talk to both both coaches, um, 
you meet both team or uh, players from both teams. You're you're able to be around a lot of those guys. They're really able to tell you um, what it's like to to be on both sides of it. Um, you know, obviously baseball brings different different uh, challenges, different things than football does. Football brings different things than baseball does. So to be able to hear uh, from both sides of it, hear from uh, both the uh, both teams, it's it's a lot of uh, a lot of fun. A couple of factors I want to ask you about. One, the Major League Baseball draft this summer. What factor does that play in what you ultimately decide to do? Uh, it's a, you know, it's it's a it's definitely a, a goal. Um, we want to we want to uh, hopefully get drafted and then then have to make a decision from there. I plan on playing college football, but but obviously, um, you know, it definitely plays a role. If if I if I can get drafted pretty highly. Um, it, it'll definitely play a role in in, uh, in my decision. So, Deuce, is it fair to say that you might not make a decision until after that, or might you make a decision and then see what the draft does to change that decision? Uh, as of right now, the plan uh, the plan is fluid. Um, okay. I, I plan on making a decision at some point, um, hopefully, hopefully before move-in day, because I, I want to go through summer workouts with those guys. Um, I, I want to play early. I, I want to get the scheme down and everything, uh, get the playbook in, and and uh, so so I, I plan on I plan on making a decision before move-in day, um, and then and then just seeing where the draft will take us from there. Deuce, name, image, and likeness. What's the factor there in this decision? Um, I mean, obviously, it's it's definitely prevalent um, because it's prevalent with everyone nowadays. Uh, you know, you can't be a college athlete and, and not have to think about name, image, and likeness. But um, we're trying not to make a decision based off of that. Um, I feel like I feel like all the schools we've got it narrowed down to. Um, they they make sure their guys um, get what get what they deserve. Uh, they they help their guys out a lot. But, but right now, we're just trying to make a decision um, based on based on uh, the place that we feel we would fit best. That's great insight there. Last thing there, your father, Dominic, played both baseball and football at Florida State. What's been his advice to you throughout this process? Have fun with the process. Uh, it's it, it might be long some days. It might be hard some days. It might be tiring some days, but but it's a blessing. Uh, you know, I would uh, I'm, I'm in a super fortunate position to be to be on this end of it where where I'm having to make this difficult, this tough choice than um than than being on the other side of it where which would obviously be you know you're wishing you're having to make this this decision deuce these are good first world problems to have aren't they congratulations on everything you've accomplished so far and best of luck with the decision that you make thank you sir deuce robinson a lot of schools and major league baseball teams perhaps waiting for his decision he's going to have an impact wherever he goes whatever sport he plays also have some pretty impactful quarterbacks Coming up, each of the top three players in the class for the top five are signal callers. Malachi Nelson, Dante Moore, Arch Manning. See that 06 comparison there. They're hoping to one day be first-round picks in the NFL draft like those signal callers from the inaugural 2003 ESPN 300 class in 2016. 2006, I should say. Hobbs, that comparison is pretty, pretty mighty there. But what kind of impact freshmen do you think we'll see this fall? Yeah, the... This is the most impressive quarterback class we have seen since 2006 with four quarterbacks 
in the top five. Obviously, the number one player, Malachi Nelson, going to USC. You got Caleb Williams there. There's likely not a need for him to be able to play, which is a good case scenario to be able to go in and be able to sit and wait. You look at the number two and three quarterbacks, Dante Moore going to UCLA. He had an outstanding All-American period, outstanding high school career. Certainly a chance for him to be able to get on the field right away and play Jackson Arnold. Dylan Gabriel is at Oklahoma. But, listen, you can argue there were points this year where the Sooners could have used Jackson Arnold within that system uh, on the field as well. So there are certainly a couple of players amongst these quarterbacks that I think could be impact freshmen. And the other one to watch is obviously one of the biggest names we've talked about is Arch Manning. He's going on campus with Quinn Ewers, who is a five-star as well. But I would not be surprised if there's some inconsistency with Quinn Ewers there that if Arch Manning couldn't potentially wrestle that job away. And again, I don't think it's bad for any of these players if they have to sit and wait. And as we've talked about a little bit earlier, there's certainly a precedent where we'll see some of these players over the next year or two go into the portal. But I think overall, this is a really special class. You know, you're watching the NFL championship games and everybody's raving about how young those quarterbacks are. And I look at this quarterback class, I'm like, wow, this is a really exciting effusion of young quarterbacks into the game of college football. We could see these guys having an impact that fall season just six, seven months away. The funny thing is the early signing period for the class of 2024 is just 10 months away. And coming up next, we're going to have an early announcement from some of the one of the top prospects in 2024. Ellis Robinson, the fourth number five player in the junior 300. His announcement out of IMG next. Thursday night, we got a West Coast primetime Pac-12 matchup on ESPN. It's the Ducks and the Wildcats. Coverage begins 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific. Got a head start for you for the class of 2024. Dylan Rayola, number one player in the class. He's a quarterback decommitted from Ohio State. His father, Dominic, played at Nebraska. His uncle, Donovan's the O-line coach there. Huskers are in on him hard, as are the Georgia Bulldogs, among others. Two of the top ten players currently committed. That number will change to three in a moment. The number two corner, Ellis Robinson, the fourth, set to make his commitment. Hobbs, why is he a five-star junior? At least he has all the tools that you want in an elite corner. Good height, tremendous length, outstanding speed. I was talking a little bit earlier in the show about that max speed, our ability to be able to track speed on the football field through the film over 22 miles per hour. And you see it there as well. He's not just a speedster. To be physical in his play, come up, support the run, put him on an island. He was teammates with Desmond Ricks, the five-star who signed with Alabama this past cycle. You, some have argued that Ellis Robinson is just as good, if not better. So another outstanding corner now leaving IMG. Down to Alabama, Colorado, Georgia, LSU, and Miami. The hats are on the table down in Florida. Let's head there right now. Ellis Robinson, the fourth. Ellis, where are you headed to school? Uh, first and foremost, you know, I want to thank God for the opportunity that he put me in. I want to thank my family, you know, for being here with me and everything, you know, for being here for the journey and everything. I want to thank IMG. I want to thank Don. I want to thank my old head coach, too, uh, Coach Bags. You know, man, we still got a good relationship to this day. I want to thank uh, New Haven Steelers organization, too, like ever since Pop Warner Little League, you know. Uh, I want to thank Coach Eugene. I want to thank uh, Hartford Hurricane Organization. I want to thank Coach Smith, you know, back in eighth grade when I was playing at Capitol Prep. I want to thank uh, Supreme Athletes, really, for helping me get to where I am right now, too. I want to thank Coach Dax, Coach Frank, Coach Walker, and Coach Nooks, too. And I also want to put in that, like, the reason why I really wanted to do February 1st commit today is because, like, I know it's really, like, special for my dad, kind of like, cause, you know, his dad died in, like, 
this month on the first. So I think I thought if I do it right now, you know what I'm saying, I could bring a little light into the month of February for my dad. So main reason why I took February first. Yeah. With that being said, though, for the next three to four years, I'll be committed to University of. Georgia, go dogs. Go dogs. Ellis Robinson, ESPN Junior 300 five star corner, is committing to Georgia. The uh, signing period, of course, about 10 months away, Ellis, but why the dog? That was really where my heart was ever since I took my first visit to Georgia. It really just felt like home for me, really, you know, for me and my family, really. So it just really felt, like, really, like, comfortable when I was there and everything. So that's really why I chose Georgia. You have a long runway here between the signing period and then even getting to campus. What are you going to be focusing on and trying to improve on between now and then? Really, what I want to be focusing on and improving on really is, like, my technique, really. That's really what I'm going to be focusing on the most, really, is just, like, me and my footwork, trying to get better, really, at my position. Ellis Robinson the fourth, your late grandparents would certainly be proud. Thanks for doing this today and sharing it with us Thank on you. ESPN. Thank you. Ellis Robinson the fourth, and if you didn't hear that earlier when he was mentioning February, his father's father passed away in the month of February, same with um, years separated there, but his uh, father's mother as well. So wanted February to be a positive thing and, and did that for his dad today. Uh, Roddy, what do you think? Pretty good corner headed to Georgia. <laughs> the rich get richer. I mean, the, the reason that Georgia is a back-to-back national champion is because of the talent that they've accrued and the coaching. And you will not receive better defensive coaching anywhere in the country than what Kirby Smart has done with the Georgia Bulldogs and Will Muschamp calling that defense. So, the rich get richer, no surprise there. Although, Deion Sanders' last two big corners that he gotten were long-time commits with a lot of <laughs> runway. So you would guess Colorado will come back in here, but if Kirby Smart's able to hold on, it's certainly a rich get richer situation. That's right. There's no no signing, no, no ink, nothing's dry, no fax has been sent in yet. Long way to go, but Ellis Robinson committing to the Georgia Bulldogs today. Coming up next here on our National Signing Day coverage, put a bow on the coverage and tell you just why days like today mean a lot in college football. What a college basketball lineup we have for you Saturday on ESPN and the app. Kansas and Iowa State tip off the day in Ames at noon Eastern. Number one, Purdue. Number 21, Indiana. Zach Eady, Trace Jackson Davis. Sign us up for that. North Carolina and Duke score off at Cameron Indoor, followed by Florida and Kentucky. If we had to listen to the games not on our air, it would have been a much uh, shorter and smaller uh, graphic. Signing day does matter. How about this? Each of the last nine national champions in the college football playoff era have had a four-year average class rank in the top ten, and each of those schools make up the top five in our 10-year recruiting class average. Signing day matters, whether it's the one in December or the one in February. Craig Hobart, put a bow on this for us. Your your biggest takeaway from signing day. Well, 
Georgia with back-to-back -back national championship now has the number one class in the 2024 class. Ellis Robinson was their ninth ESPN Junior 300 player. So they're already out of the gate fast rolling. For those who thought the sky was falling in Tuscaloosa, Alabama with their eighth number one class under Nick Saban. Yes, we've talked about they lost some depth, but they're certainly infusing that program with some impact-type players. And this is very different from what we remember, Matt, seven years ago, 12, 14 hours on that first Wednesday. But this was still an important day. Some needle movers, still an important day for South Carolina, still an important day for Oregon. Uh, so several other programs. So this day still matters for those programs and those prospects that need a little more time. Roddy? Yeah, I think that one of the schools that Craig said was a big one for me, Oregon. I mean, they just continue the ball rolling in terms of recruiting momentum. And while we're busy looking at what's happening in Los Angeles and what's happening in Salt Lake City and what's happening in other places, Oregon's just assembling talent. Dan Lanning had them playing really well last year. So it is still a day that still matters, whether it's through the portal, whether it's through traditional recruiting. you got to amass talent. It's a talent acquisition business. No doubt about it. And also, when you think about recruiting you get that short runway as a first year head coach in your, in your first month or two and then that full year that full calendar year that you have you've seen it with schools like florida and others that have really bounced back with some good signing classes uh, thanks to Roddy, thanks to craig thanks to tom van heron also today and, and there it is notable coaches in their first full cycle venables see crystal ball from 19th to 5th Dan Lanning, a top 10 class. So, yeah, give some coaches some time to recruit. You know what else was another message of today? Play multiple sports. We have one to go. Okay, live. Okay, to the University of Oregon. Let's go, go, go! Georgia, go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs.